As an industry, we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their residents, and their successes or failures. There's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Ren Breyer, current game artist and designer at Witchbeam. So join us as we explore our journey. So today I'm joined by Ren. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Uh, going pretty well. For yeah, someone as we were just discussing before the recording started, as someone who's in a state that's been plunged back into lockdown again, it's it's as exciting as it can be. So I'll I'll take it. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so this is Dev Diary a series where we talk to developers from all around the industry. They share their stories, their experiences, and. Basically, we kind of recount in many respects how the journey up to this point has played out. Now, before we get to your career specifically and the things that you've done, there's, there's an, impressive list, an impressive list of credits that you've uh, racked up over the journey so far. But before we get to all of that, I'd like to rewind way, way back and maybe even talk about some of your first gaming experiences that you recall. Do you remember what your first game was that you played and did you have any particular favorites? I think the first game I ever played would have been uh, Super Mario Brothers uh, on the uh, uh, Super Nintendo. Good starting uh, point. <laughs> at a motel in America. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the the first two games that I owned were um, Super Mario 64 on the Nintendo 64. Noticing and, a trend here. Yeah, and Kirby's Dreamland uh, on oh, nice. the Game Boy. Sounds like you and I had a very similar first few stepping stones, really. Oh, really? Yeah, it's just um, after playing Mario at motels, like when my family used to travel a lot, uh, my parents uh, promised me and my brother that we'd get a um, Nintendo uh, console for our birthday. We yeah. have um, birthdays that are pretty close together, though the two of us are about uh, two years apart. Yeah. So we got, like, as a joint birthday present when I was nine nine yes uh we got a uh nintendo 64 and since then i've never looked back yeah just like all these nintendo consoles so i mean it kind of links i guess nicely into my next question then were there any outside of the the ones that we've already mentioned were there any other prominent titles or franchises that you kind of uh, latched onto over the journey now i'm expecting nintendo related stuff to probably pop up a little bit here but were there any particular franchises that you really attached yourself to Probably, uh, so right now I'm playing Paper Mario, and this is oh, yeah. uh, my, my third or fourth Paper Mario that I've played. Um, oh, nice. I really love the second one. Oh, Thousand um, Year Door. Yeah, it was so good. Uh, I love Banjo-Kazooie and Tui. Yep. Uh, let's see, what else? Hmm, franchises. Uh, or Yoshi, even one-offs. Yoshi games. Uh, Yoshi games. Yep. Yeah, but non-franchises, so on the PC side, uh, I really, really enjoy um, uh, Double Fine games. Oh, yeah. Big personality, uh, I like them. (laughs) Yeah, like playing Psychonauts was, uh, for the first time, was a revelation. And then playing Stacking, like I had no idea what to expect. It looked like such a strange game, and it was just so wonderful. Yeah. and costume quest, just yeah, I really enjoy Double Fine games. But well, I really enjoy your that, taste. 
Oh, thank you. <laughs> it sounds like but, you had some fantastic games that you've played over the journey. So, <laughs> thanks. But beyond that, um, I also I have a very like eclectic taste because uh, you know I I like these these really cute Nintendo games, but then I also like uh, Binding of Isaac. Oh, yeah, okay. um, yeah. Slight um, change of pace. Star. Yeah, don't yeah. star. So like I I like games that are stylized. Um, I. I like challenging games, but honestly, I don't know. I like games that that can surprise me. Yeah, okay. That, I mean, the, yeah, the, uh, some of the ones you mentioned there—they are kind of poles apart in a lot of senses, but they can really surprise you in you know quite varying ways. So. Yeah. Oh, uh, and of course, um, Animal Crossing. No, as <laughs> as is everyone these days, especially now that uh, we've been plunged into a world pandemic, it just seems to have galvanised a love there for Animal Crossing. So. Yeah, but this is this is my third one, and the previous one I spent. Uh, probably 250 hours on this one oh. i have spent more than that okay. on. <laughs> see I, my wife's in a similar position at the moment she's still playing a lot of animal crossing and i i played it for a long time when it first uh, when it first came out i i skipped a lot of the games i played the original on the gamecube i think uh, i played maybe I wild world was wild world the one on the ds at some point yes but then i didn't come back until this most recent one with new horizons and i i binged a lot of time on that game and then I just kind of fell off. I think something came along. Maybe I had to review something for Player 2 at the time. And then I I kind of stopped with the game. And I've just felt no reason to come back for whatever reason. Whereas my wife, she has just not lost any momentum whatsoever. She's just every day. She's out there. Just slowly, small improvements, changing this, changing that. And, of course, with new updates, that gives her more things to do as well. So yeah. whilst, I'm, whilst I'm not still down the well, I can appreciate what, what the both of you are seeing <laughs> in that and how it can just consume lives. Mm, definitely. Was there a game at all for you um, at any point that maybe prompted a desire to get into the industry in some way, shape or form? Or was it kind of a different path that led you there at the end of the day? That's a different path. Like, uh, I I grew up playing games more than most of my friends, uh, but it didn't occur to me ever that I could make games. Even yeah. though it occurred to me that I could work on film, and I wanted to, um, I wanted to study animation uh, like ever since I was thirteen, uh, but it never occurred to me that I could do animation for games or like work on games in any yeah. capacity until I was looking at some schools I could apply to after high school. So I was, um, I'm, I'm originally from Israel, yeah. and I kind of wanted to get out. Honestly, <laughs> I wanted to go study overseas. Uh, and I wanted to study animation. At the time, um, there wasn't a degree in animation available in Israel. Now there is. Um, so It kind I, of forced uh, your hand a little bit to get out and, and go elsewhere just as a result of that. Uh, sorry? Uh, it just forced your hand a little bit to actually go out because it wasn't offering yeah. the course that you needed. Yeah, for sure. So I just kind of looked around at what, where I could go. Um, America was a bit too expensive. Um, yep. And it just so kind of worked out that my parents wanted to uh they were due to take a sabbatical from my dad's work and they were thinking maybe australia and i was like okay what can i do in australia because they said if you want to study overseas like that could be a good opportunity that we go there and you come with us it'll make it a bit of an easier transition both for you and for us that makes sense (laughs) so i was like all right and uh i found um, a couple of schools, well, like three schools in uh, Brisbane that offered animation. 
um, applied to two of them. One of them took too long to respond. So decision I, uh, made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just that uh, decisions have to be made a bit fast when you're waiting on a visa, that, um, when you need to apply yeah. for visas and stuff. Um, so one of them took, you know, like a week to respond to me and the other one took three months. So decision made. Makes the process very easy for you on your end, for sure. Yeah. Um, but the, the school that I got into was uh, Quantum College, which is a games oriented college. Yep. And that was when I realized, oh, like you can you can work in games. I could I could study here and I could go work in games. And then at the time, this was uh, 2000. This was end of 2007 when I when I applied. Um, there were a bunch of uh, games companies in Brisbane. So it seemed like the yeah, place just before to go. the before the bottom dropped out with the financial yeah, crisis and everything. Spoilers. <laughs> Sorry, maybe yeah. jumped ahead of smooch there. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, everything looks great. Let's go there. Uh, it worked out. So uh, I studied there, and uh, during my first year, the global financial crisis happened. So the studio started shutting down, and by the time I graduated, there was like pretty much nothing to uh, to apply to. <laughs> I applied just anywhere I could, but it wasn't much. And how did that make you feel? Like you've you've spent all, you've spent this time in the course. You're probably really excited to get into it, and of course, the scene has changed incredibly in a very very short space of time. Were you were you questioning whether you'd made the? Obviously, you couldn't have had that sort of foresight to know what was going to happen. But were you starting to question yourself? Like, did I did I make the right call? <laughs> what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Um, what was going through your head pretty, at that time? It was a pretty stressful time. Yeah, uh, I think my biggest concern at the time was being able to stay in Australia because uh, you know being an international student. Oh yeah, of course. The and deciding, yeah, deciding that I wanted to to stay there because I like being there. I, I really enjoyed that degree. I enjoyed what I studied. Uh, I enjoyed the the people um, and the atmosphere of, of living in Australia. So I wanted to stay here, and uh, I had a pretty pretty rough road ahead of me in terms of visa stuff. So I needed to get work experience in order to get my visa, and that was like work experience in my profession. Yeah. And that was extremely hard to get. So you just uh, take anything at that point. Yeah, so I managed to find work for about half a year with a company called Bain Games. Yep. Yeah, on a project that eventually got cancelled. Um, and yeah, half, half a year later, I uh, didn't have work anymore. So I was like, what what to do, what to do? I kept trying to look for work. I was doing odd jobs. I was doing like, I illustrated a kid's book. I uh, did like, uh, what else did I do? I don't know. I did graphic design. Yeah, I've got listed. Uh, there's Lycor Lighting in there, uh, yeah. as, well, as well as Bain, and yeah. I, there was also Valhalla Studios. But was that somewhere that you were kind of oh, working yeah. with while you were studying as well? That was yeah, that was during uni. Um, yeah. I was doing that during uh, end of my first year, start of second year. Um, so someone from my class was working there, and uh, he liked my art and asked me if I wanted um, to come get an interview there. So I was like, sure. Uh, so I was doing like, uh, I think, d- 10 hours a week, something like yeah, that. Yeah, just like a little part-time job. But by uh, but it gets you through the door too. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was hoping. Um, but I, I was just doing like uh, textures uh, and stuff because I'm mainly 2D. Yeah. Yeah. So I was doing that. Um, but by the time uh, the second year started, I was like starting to get a bit stressed by schoolwork. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to focus on uni here. 
yeah, get through it. Yeah. But then, yeah, I was doing like a bunch of odd jobs, uh, which were not considered like relevant to my profession in terms of like, like for the visa application. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was like this, this stressful time. Uh, and eventually I realized I was going to have to do a master's degree, um, in animation because I need to keep the system. Um, it, it was the other possible condition for getting a visa. Yeah. Either school or, um, or, or work. Yeah. So I did that, got my master's degree, like as fast as I possibly could in a year. Um, and, uh, after that, yeah, after that was like lighting. Um, so yeah. I just like found a, a job with a uh, lighting company doing a brochure for them, um, just on Gumtree. Uh, and somehow that turned into like a half a year job. Uh, did some work on uh, the short film of a friend of a friend. That's, yeah. um, what's that one called? Uh, Phantom Limb. It's really lovely. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. so these various experiences, so, so Lycor and then the film that we just spoke about there, um, though they're not directly related to ultimately what you were studying, do you feel like there's anything you took from that period and the things that you kind of, were there any things that you learned from that period that you feel like have been, you've been able to translate across to your, your um, game dev work in the years since? Sure, yeah. I mean, especially uh, the, the short film, like I learned a bunch of skills about like how to animate in Photoshop, which I didn't even realize you could do. Um, just you can you can do that. <laughs> you can do that. There's there's oh, nice. animation tools in Photoshop. It's it's not easy, but you can set them up to to work relatively well. So that's what that guy was doing. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, I also kind of learned to work. Um, I don't know on like a smaller part of a of a whole project with like a, as a contractor. So like I got um, added to this big spreadsheet where people were. Um, putting in like what uh, shots they were doing in the film. Okay. Yeah, and it was like slowly all coming together. So that was really interesting. Um, That's quite cool. Yeah, and there was also a matter of like adapting to a style. And though I was mainly just doing like I was doing cleanup and uh, coloring. Yeah. 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 Um, the graphic design stuff, uh, Maybe less so, but it probably fed into my, uh, like, UI work and stuff. Yeah, okay, so there we go. It looks like everything's kind of helped in various different ways and capacities, which is <laughs> which is quite cool, even though they weren't directly related to the career. Now, yeah. the next the next thing I've got on the list as we've just kind of, and uh, LinkedIn did help a little bit to fill in some of these gaps, I might add. But the, <laughs> um, so the next thing that I've kind of got on the, on the list there is you kind of work down the, uh, down the career to this point, and please let me know if there's something I've missed along the way. Uh, but I've got Half Brick listed next, which um, yes. you you worked on the likes of Joypack Joyride and Fruit Ninja, just two small name titles that not many people would have heard of. Um, <laughs> what what was it like working on those titles? Did you realise what you were onto when you were when you were actually working on those projects? So did you at any point consider that, especially Fruit Ninja, was going to be this phenomenon that it was uh, i'm gonna stop you here because uh i i didn't work on them uh at, before they come they came out i oh, worked I on them post. after i uh i was doing live ops on both of these projects okay. um yeah i'd say fruit ninja every pretty much every single uh person at Hafrick at some point touches fruit ninja because yeah, okay, right. like you know you get a team working on it for a while and then eventually they pass it on to another team uh, so, that, that makes uh, a lot of sense. Okay. It, yeah. 
Actually, yeah, probably, that probably now that I look at the actual dates that I've got listed there, that I, that probably should have triggered actually. But uh, <laughs> well, that's all right. Then, then let's reframe that question. What was it like getting involved with those established projects for you, no, knowing what they were and how acclaimed and how popular they were? What was it like uh, to actually get on board with those projects in whatever capacities you kind of took on? Um, what was that sort of like for you? Really exciting. I was, I was like so happy to join Halfbrick and um, I was like, oh my God, it's my dream job. Uh, I, yeah, started off on the Fruit Ninja team and um, they started me off doing like concepts for uh, um, blades and background. Yeah. Uh, a couple of, I think, I think like one blade and one background that I, that I made actually ended up making it into the game. And that was like, that was exciting. It was like the wind blade and like a koi fish background. I don't know if they're still in there, but they were at one point. Yeah. Um, well, like, yeah, but, that game's iter- been iterated on a lot over the years. So, yeah, who knows these days? But yeah, I also um, surprisingly early in my time there uh, got put um, on the task of like uh, helping come up with uh, a redesign of the menus on Pro Ninja along with uh, a- another um, junior with a junior designer. Yeah. And that was like my first introduction into doing UI work. And like that was something that I didn't know that I was going to like. I thought UI would be boring, but I enjoyed it a lot. So, and, so what, and just like working ma- closely with another designer. What made it so enjoyable to you then? As as you were just saying, you obviously went into it not thinking like it was going to be for you. And then you took a great love to it. What, what was it about it in the end that helped change your perspective? Hmm. So I think it's that it's very psychological like uh, you're trying to design something to be usable for a player and uh it needs to to like not only look good but feel good and uh like take players to the right places um with a game like fruit ninja that kind of grew naturally over the years there were uh it got to a point where like there were a lot of menus that you had to go through before you actually hit play and um they wanted to change that so that was yeah, that was kind of the task that we got. In the end, I think they got like slightly more senior people to work on it. But the the basis that we started with, um, I think, kind of contributed to that oh, to some degree. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. Um, so I, I liked, yeah, there was sort of trying to figure out uh, how a player would react to things, what would um, attract the player's eye, what would uh, like make certain elements stand out or... Uh, look uh uh basically draw the player to um to click them um what feels natural what feels like um i don't know too busy it it was just it was interesting and it felt kind of like uh it it was kind of a foray into game design in a way because we were doing the uh like wireframes and the art together. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, I do appreciate what you're saying there with the, the psychology. Now, I'm not a psychologist. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Neither. But I, I can appreciate, though, what you're talking about there, though, because I, I do get that feeling when, when I'm playing a game, whatever the game happens to be, you're talking about whether a game sometimes, like the screen is too cluttered or what, you know, your eye and where it's being attracted to. There is, I, I can tell when I'm not looking at, a UI that's perhaps as clean or as effectively constructed as, as it should be because I either get completely overwhelmed for choice or it's just there's nothing that's really kind of striking me in any way and I don't I don't know why I'm looking at this particular screen at the time. So 
I can I can appreciate there must be quite an art to it, and I guess I probably hadn't considered the actual psychology behind it before, but it's staring me right in the face. <laughs> um, so that makes <laughs> a lot of the sense. The UX really. side of it. Um, at that time, I was doing I think more UI, but a little bit of UX. Yeah. So UX being user experience, yeah. uh, which generally is like the the layout of the screen. Um, like what size certain elements might be, where they're located, often how they um, move as well, like how you navigate from one to another, what the flow of the screens is in general. So like which screen leads to which screen, Um, making sure that you've got like a loop that lets you get to every screen. Yeah. Um, But then on top of that, you've got the UI, which is the the user interface, and you're trying to um, make it uh, cohesive in, in the design uh, not overwhelming and like enticing. Yeah, that's it's quite cool. And yeah, there's there's a lot to it, and probably, probably some stuff that you mentioned there that I perhaps hadn't quite considered uh, galvanizing. Like like it sounds, uh, and you know, from, it's been a while since I've played the likes of Fruit Ninja, but um, I do remember it being quite clean and quite clear and concise, and everything was everything kind of felt meaningful when I looked at it. So whether that was your whether that was your work or some work that's come afterwards yeah, or most, a bit of, bit of both the work that came before me I think but some of it yeah maybe work after me I, I actually didn't do that much on Fruit Ninja I was there I was on Fruit Ninja for about uh, I don't know five months-ish after that I, w- I spent most of my time at Halfbreak on uh, Jetpack because basically uh, me and another artist were supposed to be uh, between these two teams um, yeah. kind of on loan to each one whenever they need us but um we had the original artist from jetpack uh he was about to leave um the company and go do his own thing and he was there to like help mentor us in uh, the style of jetpack and in pixel art in general so that's where i got my pixel legs (laughs) yeah so i really took to that i really enjoyed it um so i asked to be put on the jetpack team full time and that's oh fantastic! So I got my start there. And uh, so, what was it about? What was it about that that you enjoyed the most? Um, I liked the precision pixel art. I liked that I was working with some um, characters, unlike yeah. Ninja, which doesn't really have characters. Yeah, I can <laughs> appreciate that. The These days, <laughs> it has some, I think. Oh, have they? Okay. Possibly. I I don't know which ones made it into the game in the end. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I, I got to make like, I don't know, dozens of outfits for Barry. Uh, Barry Steakfry is the character. I yeah. got to design some jetpacks and I got to design um, a couple of backgrounds. And I think the most exciting thing I got to work on on Jetpack was the uh, Back to the Future update. Um, oh, but the Christmas I remember that. update was also nice. Yeah, I remember, so I, did... ba- I remember the Back to the Future one for sure. Yeah, so that was mostly me. Uh, there was, oh, I, cool. I got help from uh, Rod, who was. Uh, uh, the a concept artist, I, I think yep. he's still there, maybe. Um, so he's a concept artist, and he did like the concepts for the backgrounds um, and some of the pixel work, and because yep. there was just so much to do. Uh, and I think toward the end, um, John Carr, who's uh, the other artist who joined the team eventually, um, he he helped with it uh, toward the end. Yeah. But yeah, I got to design the. Um, a bunch of vehicles for Jetpack, like uh, even before this one. But the yeah, probably the most exciting vehicle that I got to do was the DeLorean. Uh, but I got to do a DeLorean. I got to do a hoverboard. 
Um, oh, I also really enjoyed the um, zombie T-Rex. So like the zombie T-Rex from, um, um, what's it called? Zombie the other game. Age of Zombies. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, so I, I uh, did a, a vehicle for Jetpack that is like the um, zombie T-Rex. You're just like stomping around like this. Yeah, okay, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I like that. I, yeah, I, I definitely do re- remember all the Back to the Future stuff from kind of dabbling with the game, kind of dropping in and out at various points, but I do remember the Back to the Future stuff and the DeLorean. So that's that's kind of cool that I get to now like attach you <laughs> to that in my head. So I'll, I'll, yeah. I might have to go back at some point and see see how things have progressed and changed over the journey. But uh, I do, yeah, I do remember the Back, back to the Future stuff, so that's quite cool. Hmm. Um, it's good. So another thing I guess that would have been important for you at the time is after – after those years where you're studying and then obviously the the industry kind of fell through for a period there with the financial crisis, it would have been nice to have that stability as well for you. Yeah. No, it's it really funny because, um, you know, usually you get work in games by uh, there's a lot of word of mouth and, like, people referring each other and that. But surprisingly, Half Brick, even though I knew a couple of people who worked there over the years, um, I was even housemates with someone who had worked there at one point. But Halfbrick, I actually applied to um, to uh, a job ad on Seek, and yep. just got it after a few months. They got back to me and were like, "Hey, here's a test," and uh, passed with flying colors. There. Oh, sorry. And passed with flying uh, flying colors. Oh, I guess so. I mean, I, I got in. <laughs> Now, after a few years, you you then moved on from the studio, uh, and and I've I kind of noted a period here of about a year and a half, give or take a little bit there, where you was, I guess I'd labelled it on my notes as kind of a transient period there, where you were moving between a few different studios. There was Smithsoft, Playside, uh, Well Placed Cactus, um, and I assume across those different studios, you were were you performing similar sorts of roles, or were they differing sorts of roles from place to place? Um different so um smithsoft i was doing um but basically i was designing a game from the ground up i was like in charge of the entire like artistic vision um it was a pretty difficult game to work on because um we weren't we weren't using an engine so i couldn't implement anything myself and I had to write these like detailed implementation guides uh for for how to put in my work which right. look, which actually ended up helping me get the job at Well Placed Cactus later. Oh, nice. Um, okay. Yeah. So, like, I was writing these guys, and I was like, oh, this is a little tedious, but, like, turns out that at Well Placed Cactus, they liked that, um, you know, I wasn't just making pretty art. I knew how it goes in the game and all the considerations about that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, and I could also communicate it any particular highlights from that period there because again like there were short shortish tenures at each of the different studios but were there any particular yeah, highlights i was i was freelancing i was like uh it was just like a bunch of short contracts except for well placed cactus which was um it started as a short contract then became a longer contract then became a permanent position which then uh turned into redundancy because um they got bought out and no longer needed an artist yeah. It was kind of unfortunate, but they were such a lovely company to work with, and they like really helped me with like transitioning out of it as well. They also gave me a lot of like really interesting opportunities. So I'd say the most interesting stuff that I I did in that period was with Well Place Cactus because uh, there as well I got to like design a game from the ground up. But there we were working in Unity, and that was nice. Um, everyone was like really collaborative and receptive to ideas, and I got to Always like helps. really 
Yeah, so like th there was kind of a, a a game hook and like a, a basic mechanic that they wanted for the game, but they wanted to dress it up in a certain way, and we ended up with making this game uh, about like a little um, alien octopus that yeah. uh, jumped between planets, and like it would have been a very different game uh, before I joined the team. And other than that, I. Uh, did like a bit of work on some canceled projects, other work yeah. on white label projects. So I can't actually say no, anything I about that. I, I can appreciate that. Yeah, but an interesting thing that I did at uh, Well Place Cactus was uh, get into production work. Yeah. Um, so it's just something that's always interested me as well as art. And um, they had a producer who is going away uh, on like a honeymoon uh, leave. Yeah. for I think a whole month and they needed to, uh, someone to replace him and they, and they were looking to hire another producer anyway and I was like oh this is something that that interests me like I would, I'd like to have a try and they were basically like okay and they trained me up um, and they were like really good about it uh, helped me kind of find my footing um, the, the other producer was like super helpful and um yeah i got to ship a project like from start to finish as a producer oh fantastic yeah and at one point i was sort of experience too yeah totally at one point i was um managing three different projects at the same time while uh, i was Ooh. filling in for the other guy i was like Ooh. trial by fire but yeah, it sounds he, like you got tossed back. in the deep end yeah but then he came back and took over the the other two and so that was good the, just the one project was enough <laughs> So in that in that period where again we've moved between you know three different studios there and it's it's all in a freelance capacity, did you? There's a lot of similarities, I guess, in terms of the moving from job to job and kind of getting by to an extent. There's some similarities between that and the period before Half Brick. How's how's your mentality though in that period uh, with Smithsoft, Playside, Well Place, Cactus? Because at that point you did have those credits from Half Brick. You mm. you'd established yourself a little bit more. Did that kind of help? maybe keep you in a in a good place about career prospects and all those sort of things at that point yeah absolutely it was uh just like night and day those two periods yeah. one of them i was like not sure if i'd even be able to stay in the country you know it was like so stressful um and the other it's like you know being a citizen it's like oh i'm i'm safe i can stay here right. worst case i um i i can go on centerlink or something yeah while I look for work, but I also had, you know, some money saved up from having worked uh, for like three years at Halfbrick. So it, it it all felt a lot safer. It was still kind of tough. Like at one point um, we were thinking, at one point I was thinking about moving to Melbourne, but that yeah. was around the time that uh, uh, when I decided, yeah, okay, I'm definitely moving to Melbourne was around the time that I started um, dating my partner who lives in Brisbane and does not want to move to Melbourne. So, uh, As a Melbourneite, I'll take some degree of offence to that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got his own company here. Yeah. So. That, that, no, I, I, that makes a lot of sense. I'll, I'll just, just a little bit of stirring there. but um, <laughs> Yeah. I, I'm glad um, to hear that was a, an easier period for you as a result, a, a degree of security, I guess. Yeah. I mean, in retrospect, like I should have probably moved to Melbourne. Um a while before but i was like scared to make another big move after having moved countries you know yeah. i didn't want to have to start over again yeah. so by the time i finally felt safe enough to do it um 
there were other considerations that yeah. made me want to stay in Brisbane. But that I, I worked don't blame out. you whatsoever. Well, I mean, you wouldn't be stuck in the pandemic that I'm uh, or the the level of the <laughs> pandemic that uh, I'm currently in. So I think you made the right choice in the end. Yeah. Well, the thing is <laughs> that me staying in Brisbane uh, with Tim made meant that we ended up making unpacking. Yeah. <laughs> which I'm, I'm glad we've kind of we've uh, launched into the witch beam and everything involved there. So, so ha- um, ha- how did you kind of make that transition across to to witch beam at that point? So it's a it's a funny story. Um, I was taking a little break uh, after I um, lost my job at Well Place Cactus. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'll take I'll take a couple months to just like chill out because I've been just working working for so long. And um, around the same time, Tim was uh, moving in with me. Yeah. So when he moved in, we were unpacking his stuff, and we like. Oh, hello, I'm seeing the ID now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. We were unpacking his stuff, taking things out of boxes, and putting them uh, all over the place. And we had like done a very careful cull of all his of, of his stuff before, because he had so much shit. Um, <laughs> And I mean, it, I say was, was that Tim of, saying that, or was that was that kind of you saying you've got too much shit? No, no, no. It was, it was. I think it was uh, a bit of both. Uh, yeah, a bit of both. Um, it, like he <laughs> he lived in his previous apartment for um, like many years, and he he even had some stuff that he had not unpacked from the previous move. Um, yeah, so right, like okay. there was some stuff that I had to go. Uh, so everything was like kind of curated. So all the stuff he was bringing was all stuff that he wanted to keep. Yeah, and. Um, we were looking at the stuff coming out of boxes and like we didn't label anything because it's like not a big apartment it's not like you uh, put stuff in the like some boxes for the living room and other boxes for the bedrooms or whatever it's like yeah. such a small apartment it's, it's all going to be just there it's a jumbled mess of sorts yeah. yeah so you open a box and you're like oh hey it's like it's my figurines or it's uh, you know that uh, poster or whatever all, all you, alongside dishwashing liquid and, and all those yeah, sorts of things. exactly. Like, you don't know what's going to come out. <laughs> and uh, you, like, complete sets of things. It's like, oh, yeah, that was the last of the plate. Um, and so I said, oh, this, there's something kind of game-like about this. And we started, like, at first kind of jokingly talking about a game about unpacking. Um, and I would have left it at that, but Tim uh, is... Uh, Tim is tenacious and kept asking me about this game. And I was like, well, okay, what about this? What about, you know, if uh, this is how this mechanic would work and whatever. Um, And eventually we came up with the idea of what if it's a story about a character um, moving through her life from like childhood into adulthood and you follow her and learn about her through her items. Yeah. And that really worked for us. We really liked that. so what we decided to do was um, apply to um, this games accelerator program called oh, in Stugan, Stugan, right? Yeah. In Sweden, correct? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, in Sweden. So we had like heard about this um, years before, and every year, like I really wanted to try to apply to that, but like I didn't have a game idea, and I didn't have the ability to just like up and leave. Like I was working for companies and stuff, yeah. so it wasn't an option. But that year, I wasn't doing anything, and I had a game idea. So Stars <laughs> we like, aligned. Exactly. So we were like, let's make a prototype. And, you know, it probably won't get in. But um, uh, even even if it doesn't, then at least we started making a prototype together, which is something that we 
always wanted to do because you know like being a game dev couple it's like we can both make games we can do something yeah. together so that makes sense. Look, I mean, you know, as, as someone who's, like, I I've, I've know a little bit about Stugan already because uh, I've spoken to, do you know, Andrew Shoulders? Um, he is currently, like, lead on uh, Tunic, the, the big... Oh, yeah, so I haven't met him, but I know, I know about his game. Um, it looks beautiful. Like, they, from what I've seen of what, what's come out of there so far, and obviously some of these titles, like your own, are still works in progress, but uh, they seem to set a decent bar. So as far as I'm concerned, to, to get in uh, says, a, says a great deal about what, about what they <laughs> thought of the title and the, the prospects of the title. So I'd imagine that would have been uh, quite humbling or, you know, uh, to be accepted. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. I was not expecting it. Um, like, you know, we, we kind of did this as a, as a long shot and then we heard back that um, they wanted an interview. Like, they we're on to the second stage of uh like uh trying to get in um and at the interview i asked like uh what are our chances at this point and they said well we had over 400 applicants um but of the people we're interviewing about half will get in so i was like oh my god we have like a 50 50 chance now um when before we had like a one in 400 chance that's that's really great, um, and I was like so worried that that we'd we'd lose it then. But did you did you regret asking that question at that point? No, no, I'm no, really still... glad I asked because it's like th- that really made me excited. I don't know, it was it was really cool to to know. That's good that... to hear because I could see it going the other way as well. People, oh my god, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, heart, hearts in the mouth for uh, how long did it take in the end for you to finally get that? From the interview, Final I think approval, it would yeah. have been like another week or so. Oh. That's my rough guess. That might have so, killed me <laughs> to be it in was, that position. It was a, a, a weird week, yeah. I was like uh, just checking my email constantly. Like I would wake up like early in the morning, you know, to go to the bathroom and check my phone like first thing, you know, every time. Just check if we got that yeah. email. I don't blame but, you at all. I, yeah. Oh. So we got in and went to Sweden um i had an insane adventure with just a bunch of like cool game developers yeah uh it, it was really cool because like every game that was there was so different like there was no two games that were uh similar in any way yeah. like uh you know similar mechanics similar genre it doesn't uh, seem like uh they have a formula in terms of what they pick and what they like to kind of bring over yeah, I think they just Which try to nice. get like things that seem interesting and different. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is fantastic. Yeah, it's really great. So in terms of in terms of the core mechanic of the game itself, which unpacking the boxes, moving things around, placing things, that's sort of, how did because it's not a I guess and we just kind of you just reference it there where they they do look for things that are a bit different. How did how did it look as you're trying to hash out that idea and turn it into something that you feel like could go on digital shelves um, and be picked up and played by people. Like, how, how did you? What sort of challenges were there when you were trying to work out what that mechanic needed to look like and how you'd be presented and how players would interact and what what was that process like? Because it's not a conventional idea, I guess is what I'm what I'm saying. And that doesn't necessarily obviously mean it's a bad thing, as as was proven by, uh, by the acceptance there and the reception from. A lot of people over at PAX last year, for example, like it's it's being really well received. But when you're conceiving that idea, though, in the first place, I'd imagine there's a lot of 
tricky conversations about it because it is so different. Um, I like games that are a little weird, and I I'd played at that point. I'd played Florence, and uh, Florence felt like a sort of a touchstone for us. Um, yep. We wanted to to make this game that's about these characters uh, that you you actually don't see, but uh, you learn about them through their items, and like that level of moving in Florence was. Uh, like really interesting like you learn a bunch about florence and about krish yeah uh through just their through items. interactions yeah yeah and it's like a very very different mechanic for that move because you you would like remove your own things and uh put them in boxes and like take out his things and like try to um you know see what what stays and what what leaves and you make these choices but with unpacking i guess hmm i think some interesting choices we had were about um player agency and how like whether players get to make any choices that uh that matter and that last and in the end we kind of decided that they don't um (laughs) the in our game uh there's no consequences which is you know for for good and for bad but we decided as a we, we wanted it to be a zen game that people can play and get into like a state as they're unpacking things but um and and we want nothing to like interrupt that and we want we want to give people the option to feel like they're customizing a space and they get to make choices and they don't like it's not uh it's a puzzle but it's only a very loose puzzle there's a lot of solutions um and it's more about making a space that you like but um you don't get to make any choices about what items you keep or what you leave behind. That's the character's choices. And yeah. you get to learn about the character through those choices. Um, and part of the reason we did that is because we don't want the player to like leave something behind and then regret it or take something uh, that they don't want um, or feel like, yeah, that they did something that they can't undo. Everything in unpacking can be undone. The only thing that you can undo, I guess, is um, taking things out of boxes. Like once something is out of a box, you can't put it back in the box. Yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So I guess in some in some respects, like the outline is there and the player is then colouring within the within the, yeah. the borders, I guess. Exactly, yeah. So you have a bunch of items that we've curated for you. We have the spaces that we've curated for you and you choose how to make them work together. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. The only things that uh, that you can't do is like, so so basically, in this game, um, what you have to do is put everything away, and yeah. things have to actually be properly put away. So like, say the first level is a kid's room. If you leave toys all over the floor, that doesn't count as put away. You know, yeah, they have to be put in reasonable places that that are considered like orderly. Yeah, no, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. So. The, the luxury that we've got here when we talk about it is that I've played the game first and then you're kind of explaining that that, that oh. background and that pitch. <laughs> I, yeah, I went to go play it at PAX last year and thoroughly oh. enjoyed myself, I might add. But um, I that, may, that's have played, quite, may have met you there then. Yeah, we, pro- yeah, we probably did chat actually <laughs> at the time, I'm sure. Yeah, but the hustle and bustle of PAX, yeah. these things kind of happen. Um, but that, that's a luxurious position for me here when we're talking about the game. But when you're presenting that to others for the first time and they've, they've not necessarily... When you're when you're pitching this idea, you're shopping this idea around a little bit, um, 
was there was there any degree of difficulty in explaining that to others or did, did it really only gel and click when people actually were in control themselves Pride. people people get the concept really quickly oh great um yeah i mean especially if there's a visual that we can show and especially if the demo's there but without even without visuals it's like it's a very simple idea to communicate it's like you it, it like it's a game about taking things out of boxes and finding places for them to go that's really simple and really evocative um you start with an empty room um with a pile of boxes the moving truck just left uh and you start unpacking and like that's an experience that everyone pretty much everyone has been in and yeah. they know how to handle it like we had um small kids like try this like very early versions of our game and like they open up the first level and they see a pile of boxes and click one of them and something comes out and the girl goes oh i'm unpacking like they they immediately know what's happening so because it's such a familiar concept it's really easy to communicate um and then once you tell people oh it like also follows a character through the moves in her life and you learn about her um it's kind of a it's almost you, you, like you're playing detective um this was like a bit inspired by um um it was it called uh sorry oh no, gone home. yeah gone oh home. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i love gone home so, so i it's just replayed it how... again really recently actually and oh, it really? St- still hit me quite hard as it did the first time however many years ago that was mm, it's a good game so yeah i loved how in that game you um like look around this house and just through found objects uh and like notes and things you learn about an entire family what their lives are like and you learn an entire story so we don't have um that level of fidelity but uh we uh we can still show a fair bit with like just objects that you can hold and possibly rotate yeah. we don't have uh notes and we don't have audio diaries um so our story is a lot simpler but it's uh the same general idea and no, that's, people, that's quite cool yeah and so people like hear that and they're like oh like they i think people understand it pretty quickly yeah that no i i mean i feel like i i guess had a very similar uh, i suppose the the big title unpacking was right there above my head at the time <laughs> and we'd already had an article go up on the website so i, I kind of understood a little bit going into it but i hadn't done the deepest dive in the world before i went hands-on last year and yeah it's just to to get straight to it and open the box and oh okay and then i start putting things around and i guess yeah kind of what i said before and you seem to seem to agree with the whole the borders there and i'm coloring within that um that concept started to really click with me quite quickly actually um there was no fumbling around or why am i doing what i'm doing those little bits of um story started to come together into something cohesive nice and quickly and that was only a you know a vertical slice of the final experience and it started to make a lot of sense really early so i'm glad to hear that also even in those earlier stage when you were those earlier stages i should say when you were pitching it to others that people were latching onto that in the same way that people are when they see the the game at a at a showcase like a pax or they stumble upon it online or whatever the case might be that's great to hear game also like turns into gifts really well so we had uh, a lot of luck where uh, pretty much as soon as we got back from Stugan we uh, were showing the game at a 
show, like a small show in Brisbane. And on that same day, I think we uh, posted a GIF on the, like our first GIF on the unpacking account. Um, and uh, that was our GIF that went viral. Um, it took off. Uh, sorry? It took off. It took off. Um, so we ended up with like, I think, 10,000 um, likes on that GIF in like 48 hours and got like, I think, 7,000 new followers. Um, we, we had like two followers before, which was me and Tim. <laughs> uh, and suddenly we had 7,000 and we were like, so that's when we knew that, okay, this this is maybe something that people care about. This is maybe not as niche as we thought it was. This was like, you know, a pet project that me and Tim yeah. were doing. We weren't like, but Witchbeam was uh, still kind of considering what their next project were, was going to be. But unpacking wasn't really in the running, I think, up until then. Like we were, I guess, starting to consider it just uh, as we were getting back from Stugan. But when that gift took off, we were like, all right, maybe this should be it. So, and that's how I ended up in Witchbeam. Yeah, and that, that's fantastic. Um, if I kind of go a little bit broader, uh, broader, and not necessarily you specific with this with this next part of the conversation, what is it about Brisbane? As someone who lives in Melbourne and ignoring pandemics and all those sorts of things, um, <laughs> Melbourne gets a fair bit of buzz for a lot of the studios that we've got down here. But I also look over at uh, Queensland, Brisbane, and just and I listed just a couple of names. There's obviously Half Brick. There's there's obviously Witchbeam. Uh, but there's Screw Tape. There's Sidebar. There's Prideful Sloth. There's some really incredible studios up in up in Queensland that are really putting together some really fantastic titles. What is it about Queensland that's kind of uh, seeing so much talent, including yourself, there? And at the same time, what was it like to for you to be a part of this rebuild, I guess, of sorts after everything that had gone on? nice and rewarding i'd imagine to have to be part of this yeah rebuild of the the local industry i wouldn't be surprised if the reason that there's like all these talented people here is because there used to be these bigger companies here that attracted people here in the first place so there there was a lot of brain drain once the companies um shut down but some people stayed behind like they've got lives here they've got some some have families some just like it here, like Queensland has a nice, like laid back taste to it. Yeah. It's just a very livable, um, like Brisbane's just a very livable city. I, I really like living here. Um, the weather is good, <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah. just pleasant. And everyone, the, the scene, the game scene is just very friendly. Like it's small enough to be cozy, but big enough that like not everyone knows everyone. Um, and yeah, I, I, once I left Halfbreak, like when I was at Halfbreak, I felt like, oh, I mean, I've got all my socializing with other game developers right here inside the company. Why, why would I need to go to games events? Yeah. But then afterwards, I started going to games events and I was like, oh, there's actually a lot out there and there's all these really nice people. And what I really love about the indie scene, I think this is not just Brisbane, I think this is Australian games in general and maybe even indie games in general is how generous everyone is with yep. their time and skill and knowledge um, and how much people are trying to help each other. It doesn't feel like we're in competition with each other, even though we're all in the same field making games and, you know, supposedly competing for people's attention. Like, we do better together. 
we do better when we yeah. help each other and we build this industry together. And that's been, that, that's felt very rewarding. Like I've loved um, being a part of that. I've loved, uh, like I, I started, um, well, no, I didn't start actually. I adopted um, Women in Games Brisbane from uh, Meg, uh, yeah. from Screw Tape. Yeah. Uh, and started doing um, regular meetups for uh, Women in Games. And it's like such a variety of people that come, like both people who've been in this industry for like over a decade and like hobbyists and students and and everyone and anyone in between oh, that's um, fantastic to hear yeah it's it's just it's such a nice community and like so many talented people you know i get like i said some people who came here a long time ago and other people who are just i don't know like uh learning from each other or yeah, learning it's at at uni here um like i think we've got some good courses like i i really thought the course at quantum was very good so uh i mean it's been a really long time since i was there so i have no idea what it's like now but at yeah. the time i really enjoyed it and i felt like it uh, taught me a lot i felt like it taught me exactly what i needed for uh just getting my foot in the door um yeah that, that's great to hear and yeah. i mean uh, you know I, I listed a few studios there and there's obviously a bunch of others as well that i didn't mention it's it's this nice little breeding ground for talent at the moment and i imagine that then uh, to your point about students that are starting to get involved in those sort of things too it just seems like there's there's people that are observing what is going on in the, the in the local scene and you know tickling their fancy and getting them involved prompting them to get involved as well so it just seems to be snowballing which is fantastic and hopefully you can uh, that continues well into the future and i think uh witch beam yourself um and all those other studios are really setting a great example for those to come i think i missed to not mention um screen queensland like the efforts that they yes. started doing in the last few years like we got funding um from them for both uh unpacking and wish beam's next project which is being done by our other team yeah okay um so like they've uh helped us a lot um and i think they're they're helping like uh, some talent stay here that would have maybe run off to Melbourne <laughs> otherwise because we, we lose so many people to Melbourne it's... okay so okay, I didn't I didn't realize I, I figured that yeah given again I've listed the studios a few times now given that talent there I, I thought retention retention might be a bit higher but you're still losing a few then off to off to Melbourne at the moment yeah well the problem is that all of our studios here are very well almost all of our studios here are very small um like the, the big ones would be um uh game loft and half brick and we've got, I think, like, Snap Games is growing. Uh, but pretty much everything else is quite small. We had Defiant, and now, sadly, they're gone. Yeah, that's... Yeah, so it, everything here is mostly really small, and small studios can't hire a lot of people. So a few, a few people are lucky enough to get jobs at these small studios, but I think small studios usually tend to hire more experienced people because it's hard to take on a junior and teach them when you've got such limited resources. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, sometimes it happens. And then, yeah, there's just, uh, that's a numbers problem. There's just so not and, enough and studios or enough jobs. So then there's more opportunity in Melbourne as a result. Yep. Yeah. And Melbourne still uh, has more, um, more funding. So that also helps. But I think it's mainly that like Melbourne at this point has like more big companies. It's, uh, yeah, um, once once the companies here that are making like these these games now that are that are doing pretty well, like 
as, as they keep growing and making more games, hopefully... Um, Retention you know, will improve. Yeah, more more people can, can get work. But yeah, uh, it takes time it does. to build that up. Yeah, well, I mean, again, just purely from the outside and observing the, the, the games that are coming out of the, the various studios, I feel like... I feel like it's only a matter of time because yeah, there's some fantastic <laughs> stuff there, including including the stuff that you're working on. So as we as we cycle back to you and also begin to wind things down a little bit, is there anyone out there, let's say outside of Tim, because it's an obvious uh, get away, uh, get out of jail answer here? Uh, is there anyone out there that really inspires you and in the way you approach your work and your design? Feel free feel free to mention Tim, of course. That's that's fine. <laughs> yeah, definitely Tim. But um, I need to think who else. Oh. Whether you've worked uh, alongside them or even someone that you look at from afar in terms of the way they go about their work or something that they've produced. Hmm. So you don't necessarily need to have met them. That's that's a big get-out-of-jail card for you there too. <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a lot of game developers that I really admire um, that I find do really interesting things. Okay, you know what? Here's, a, here's an oddball one that I can throw at you. Oh, okay. Uh, a game designer that I really admire is uh, Christine Love. Yep. Um, do you know Christine Love? I know the name, but I don't okay. know. Unfortunately, I don't know any more than that. Yeah, I, pro- I probably made, should. Um, You're about to tell me why I should, so I'm looking sure, forward to it. Sure, she made Analog a Hate Story. And, okay, um, I know that one. Yeah, and Hate Plus, and uh, what was it called? The L- Lady Killer and a Bind. So yep. she just makes uh, really clever games that do things that you don't expect in like a very traditional framework so like um analog a hate story is a visual novel and it did just a lot of things that i didn't expect it to do um and it focused on just like two characters it only had two characters that you could interact with but it went deep on these two characters they had like um over a hundred sprites each for like poses and wow uh, expressions and things um and it it did like strange things like um when the game starts i'm basically like interacting with a with a console like uh trying to get uh access on like a, a computer on a spaceship and i felt like really um uh what's the word <clears throat> really immersive yeah and then at some point in the middle i had to make a choice that was uh that that locked me out of the like one half of the um, possibilities in the game like it, it yeah it did some really interesting things and then like i of course can't forget that hate plus made me uh actually make a cake for a pretend character so <laughs> like a I real life cake for a pretend a character. real life cake yeah and i'm definitely not the only person like it was uh, a thing that you needed to do in that game was uh oh, make a cake cool. for the character otherwise um you really let her down like either you lie to her and she realizes it or you tell her no and it's her birthday how dare you you monster so <laughs> so a lot of people are baking cakes left right and center that's awesome yeah like she gives you a recipe and everything i i just thought like that basically some of the things that she does really like manage to make the player do things outside of the framework of the game that Breaking fourth walls absolutely yeah it's just so interesting and so clever that's quite cool um so have there been any really valuable lessons you've picked up along the way from your various experiences and we've obviously we've rattled off a lot of studios a lot of uh, really really cool games uh high profile games in some cases as well um 
are there any really valuable lessons you've picked up along the way that help even guide what you're currently doing with unpacking? Yeah, biggest lessons are kind of contradictory though. So okay. So one lesson was uh, always try, like always go for anything. Never um, like hold back just because you think that oh maybe it won't work out or like oh it's you know it's effort and probably won't pay off it's like most things most things pay off you don't know if they'll pay off in the way that you expect like applying to student and getting in or pay off in yeah. a different way like you, you talk to some person at a convention and like a year later you end up with uh um a publisher you know or like yeah. uh uh, that there's an article about you or you end up with a job so that's yeah, great yeah that, that's that's one lesson that i learned is like just go for it like all the time but the other lesson is um to slow down and not go too hard because i have managed to uh destroy myself quite oh, okay, right. quite hard working at the, in this industry and uh i would have benefited a lot from slowing down here and there and listening to my body about when to stop okay that's fair enough too and so i guess for everyone then it becomes just a bit of a balancing act and i guess knowing what each individual is how much each individual is able to take before it gets too much and i'd also imagine you know savoring the moment at the same time would also be an important part of it too like it's like go hard but not too hard yeah, <laughs> but basically don't stop yourself like don't um don't be like you're always your own worst critic and you can stop yourself from achieving things that that are completely within your means just because you think that you can't do them yeah i yeah. like that i like that a lot what have been some of the big highlights for you over the journey and again we've we've, we've mentioned quite a lot of really really fantastic games and i'd imagine unpacking might be right up near the very top of that but have there been <laughs> any particular highlights from the journey whether it's games you've worked on people you've worked with uh, again, mm. Tim might come up here potentially, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, the, Tim, of course, but I won't. It's like obvious, so I won't yeah. go into that. But uh, I really enjoyed being part of, uh, of Double Fine's Day of the Devs. Yes. That was an amazing experience. We uh, got to to show the game on like so they had these big screens. And they were sitting fairly high up, um, so whenever someone played the game, other people in line could see. Okay, cool. Um, and we ended up with this long line uh, of people, and like people would be standing in lines to other games and see our game from afar and be like, "What? What is that?" <laughs> and that was when our game was uh, pretty new. But they'd all um, come over and give it a go. Yeah, and people would come over and wait in this long line. Like our demo was like fifteen to twenty minutes, and they would wait. All right. And like look at what the person uh you know playing was doing and then kind of judge them about how they unpack the kitchen <laughs> I, I could see a lot of that i could see myself actually playing the game with my wife alongside me or or vice versa where she's playing it me alongside we'd both be critiquing each other as to how no come on you can't put it there yeah it's the funniest watching like couples playing and we had um <laughs> uh uh we had derek you right next to us yep. with um spelunky uh, Splunky 2 and so like we we tried his game and he tried our game and like he was there with his wife and his daughter and uh, they like were I think he was playing it and his uh, his wife and daughter were like commenting and at one point they take out the 
cookie jar out of uh, one of the boxes, and the little girl who's, I don't know, she looked like seven or so, goes, oh, the the cookie jar should go high up on a, on a high shelf so that kids can't get to it. Oh. And both of her parents like looked at her like, what? Why are you saying this? Because it's not me that's going <laughs> to eat them, so it's all right. It was it was very very cute. I just yeah, I, honestly, one of the highlights for me is watching little kids play unpacking. That's great. <laughs> we've had we've had yeah, kids as young as seven play and get so into it. Um, so we showed the game at Avcon in Adelaide, and um, the daughter of a friend of Tim uh, like dragged her dad over to our stall. He said yeah. he was planning to like come by at some point anyway, but she like saw our banner from afar with like the little pig plushie and was right into it. She came over and started playing the game. And uh, after, so like she played it all the way through and after that came, kept coming back. Um, so that day she played the game three times. Oh wow! And okay. then the next day she came back and played it three times again. <laughs> I mean, we're talking people in the local scene. I can't help but feel like this might have something to do with the McDonald's in some way, shape or form, but. With uh, McDonald's, what? Oh, I was, I was, that sounds like, and you may be familiar with Lance McDonald. Um, oh, yeah? That that instantly, like, you described that story and it's just instantly smacked of them. Clearly that's not the case in the end, but... Uh, no, that, no. That, that, that I've, I've heard a very similar story and it's involved them previously, so I thought, oh, may, ah. may, maybe they drifted into, into town for that. Not to be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'd imagine, yeah, especially, like, the kids, that'd be... My son's too young. He's he's not even not even quite two yet, so he he won't be playing the game anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I could I can imagine yeah what what that would be like, and I, I'm curious to see how it'll be for my wife and I because it was only a year ago that we just moved into this place and it was a traumatic little period there with all the sort of no it needs to go there and this needs to go here and we were trying to work uh-huh. it out between ourselves. So I don't know might be might be digging up some stuff that's still a little fresh. Who knows? But uh, uh, oh. Yeah. But uh, an experience that I really enjoy is when someone expects to hate the game and then loves it. Oh, good. So, yeah, because some people uh, look at unpacking and they're like, this looks like my worst nightmare, which is fair enough. Like, <laughs> unpacking is not for everyone. And I I know that this isn't the game for absolutely everyone. It's a weird game. I am actually surprised at how many people it does appeal to. Well, um, um, that, that, that tweet, <laughs> that, that gif on day one, that... Tells yeah, it says a lot. Yeah, but, uh... apparently. Um, so, uh, oh, shit, sorry, lost my train of thought. That's right. Um, yeah, so that that always uh, amuses me when when that happens. So we had uh, one um, journalist who who came to play the game, and she told me that she was expecting to hate it. <laughs> after, oh, okay, after right. She played, after she played, she said, "Wow, like I, I expected that I would not like this game." But she was like in such a state of zen playing the game. She was like so, um, I don't know. She looked like very soothed by it. Oh, good. Did she say yeah. why she was expecting to hate it? I think because um, I think because she moved around a lot and like yeah, okay. a lot of people have bad experiences with unpacking. Yeah, right. Some traumatic moves. memories. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, but um. It's like, I don't know, I see, I think moving is difficult and it's a, it's a tough experience, but unpacking specifically, I think there's something really nice about it, that it's uh, like a time to get reacquainted with uh, all the things you own and like create a space for yourself yeah. with all the things you love. There's no, something really nice about that. 
I mean, that that's certainly something that I really took away from my time with it last year and <laughs> uh, look forward to doing when, when the game comes out. One last one before we kind of deal with so, uh, social media and all those sorts of things. Uh, a, a slightly curly one. If there was any one game that's ever existed that retroactively you could add your name into the credits, you could be in some way responsible for. Now, that can be as simple as just a special thanks, but also in any other capacity as well. What would that game be? Just a game that I wish I'd worked on? Yeah, in any game, in any capacity. Doesn't matter, big, small, whether it's remotely practical for that to have even occurred. You know, (laughs) it doesn't matter if we take all that out of it. Just any game that you would love to, in some way, shape, or form, add your name into the credits, what would it be? Uh, Yoshi's Woolly World. I would have loved to have worked on it uh, because it just looks so fun. I think there was some other game recently that I looked at and was like, more than playing it, I want to have played it. Uh, sorry, I want to have uh, worked on it. I can't remember what that was. It might have been something similar. But Yoshi's Woolly World has big heart too, so... I, it I, has so I much heart, that. and it's just, like, so sweet. And I love crafts. I, I love doing crafts, and I love yep. making uh, things that look like paper and look like crafts, uh, even digitally. So making something like Yoshi's Woolly World or Yoshi's Crafted World or um, or Mario or, or Paper Mario, the, the newest one especially... Yep. That, that feels so crafty and papery, I would I would have loved to work on something like that. Definitely keen to get into the latest Paper Mario. I haven't started as of when we record this, but it's it's sitting there high atop my to-do list, so I need to get to that It's point. wonderful. I and was playing it just before this interview. Your vouching for it maybe just means it might just move up one or two more spots in that pile so I get to it sooner Excellent. rather than later. Um, so thank you very much for coming on board with the show. Um, if there's... Uh, if there's people listening that would like to reach out, learn more about you, learn more about unpacking, where would they be best to go? So you can find me on Twitter at Renegady. Um, that's W-R-E-N, um, and then E, and then G-A-D-E-Y. I hope I spelled that right. I'm really bad at spelling out loud. I'll, I'll pop it in the show notes for anyone, <laughs> so don't stress too much. Yeah. And you can find Unpacking at uh, unpackinggame.com or at Unpacking a Life on Twitter. And if you want to you know, throw a few more retweets and likes in the direction of that, uh, just scroll all the way down and find that original GIF and just give that a bit more love. Feel well, free. We have, we'll just keep pumping those We have those a lot up. of GIFs. We have new GIFs that you can, you can uh, share and spread the love for. So make sure to, make sure to absolutely do that. But uh, Ren, thank you so much for coming aboard with the show and sharing your story and experiences. It's fantastic to hear. And uh, I suspect I know the answer here, but uh, do we have any sort of an ETA at all on the game that that you're willing or able <laughs> to disclose? Uh, I can say next year, and that's all I can say. No, fantastic. That's that's all I expected to get, and that's all right. <laughs> For our listeners, that gives them something to look forward to. So 2021, you've got a really fantastic uh, zen game there to, to go and enjoy, and I can attest to it myself with my admittedly limited time with the game last year that it's, it's really shaping up into something really quite nice. So it's one to look forward to. But thank you very, very much for coming aboard today and sharing your stories, experiences. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And listeners, as always, thank you very much for listening and I'll see you next time.
that concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you'd like me to reach out to and interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until our next episode, however, that's been Ren's story. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.